Hey listeners, just a quick note on today's episode. This interview was recorded prior to the current Victorian coronavirus outbreak, in line with COVID health regulations. This series is produced by the folks at Vic Health, Victoria's health promotion agency. Different generations tend to have different expectations of how much time you spend on your phone. Yeah, that's so true. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't if you know if your dad tells you that you're using too much social media, you don't necessarily have to believe that. If my dad is listening, <laughs> I was about to say, <laughs> if my dad's listening, uh, you know that you use your phone just as much as I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hello and a big welcome to In Good Health. I'm your host, Dr. Sandro DeMeo. I'm a medical doctor, public health expert and foodie. Our special guest today is Dr. Megan Lim. Megan holds a Bachelor of Biomedical Science at Monash University and completed her PhD there. Megan is the Deputy Program Director at Burnett Institute and has published more than 100 papers and her primary area of expertise is investigating the role of new communication technologies in public health. In this episode, we'll call Megan to chat about how we can best use these technologies without being absorbed by them, the impacts of technology on our health, what balancing screen time actually means, and ways to support each other in this journey. Uh, We're today talking about a pervasive addiction, uh, one that I have to admit I think I have. Um, In fact, I'm pretty sure I know I have. But it's, it's so widespread that, in fact, um, since I started supplying my grandma a few years ago uh, with this, uh, I think she's become an addict too. In fact, so much so that we, re- we renamed her Instagram. Uh, she's the only 98-year-old that I know that's on Instagram, but she swipes. She's a serious swiper. Uh, I'm, of course, talking not about anything too illicit. I'm talking about um, our phones and social media. And I'm joined by Dr. Megan Lim, who's an expert in this space. So... Megan, when we, we we often talk about phones and addiction, is that actually the right term? Are we addicted? Is is there a problem here? Hi, Sandra. Yeah, um, I guess I don't really like to use the word addicted because addiction has kind of a specific clinical meaning and definition, mm. but we can kind of talk about whether use is problematic. Um, so if you're using too much and it becomes problematic, I think ways you can kind of judge that is whether you feel like you spend too much time on your phone, um, so just judging it yourself, Um, and if it's kind of interfering with your life or your work or your sleep or your relationships, um, and if you keep using it despite it making you feel kind of anxious or upset. Wow. So based on that, I feel like about 99% of people would be addicted and 1% of people would be lying. (laughs) Is that that a fair assessment? Or what what Um, sort of numbers of people would you say are addicted in Australia? Well, we asked young people in a survey whether they thought they were using their phones too much and three quarters said that they did feel like they were using it too much. And what age group is that? That was among young people 15 to 29 in Australia. And and this would have exploded, I would imagine, in the last couple of decades. You know, what sort of increases have we seen in terms of, you know, phone usage? Well, I know even just during COVID, um, there's been an increase. So 80% of people in our survey said that they were using their phone and social media more um, this year than they were before COVID started. Yeah. And I suppose that makes sense. I mean, you know, we went home and our lives became hyper-local and we were looking for ways to stay connected with the world. And in many ways, I mean, my phone kind of was, you know, it was a part of getting through lockdowns. I mean, 
you know, having that little window, the little eight-inch window, whatever it is, to the world and being able to know what's going on and get updates on the news. I mean, there are some, some good sides to, to being so connected to the world, aren't there? Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think COVID really showed that even though technology isn't a substitute for real human interaction, mm. um, it's a hell of a lot better than nothing. You know, it would have been really difficult getting through the past year or two without having some kind of um, social connection. But I think also during COVID, part of the issue was um, this sort of obsession with the news and following the news cycle and mm. constantly wanting updates on the latest numbers and you know, the latest restrictions, everyone was really checking in very regularly on that sort of stuff. How, how do you, you are saying before, you know, there are some ways that you can maybe start to think about whether you have, whether you're using the phone too much or not. I mean, did we see, do you think we saw a, an increase of people, you know, overusing their phone? I think it became a big, a big conversation in the last 12 months with, with a greater reliance on our phones, but also greater negativity and almost kind of, Angst. I mean, there's been so much, you know, increasing kind of people people talking about trolling and talking about negative backlash and talking about, you know, really divisive discussions online. Um, do you think that, you know, are, they, are these new issues or are these problems that have just got worse over the last 12 months or, or maybe that we're just noticing for the first time? Yeah, I guess part of the answer to that is it might have felt like we were using our phones more because we spent so much of our time on technology, whereas instead of, you know, being in face-to-face meetings at work or being in classes at school, we were just on the computer or on the phone for that. So when you combine that with also socialising via technology, it really added a lot. Um, In terms of, yeah, the divisive sort of arguments on social media, I think, you know, that's always, well, it's been building for quite a while. And I think just the fact that um, COVID was an issue that everyone cared about, probably made it a bit more widespread because you know everyone had an opinion on COVID um, and everyone wanted to engage in the debates and was affected by the issue. In terms of, you, you were saying before, you know, a bit of a check of your own usage and, and um, looking for some warning signs. So I often worry that I use my phone too much and once a week Apple kindly reminds me of the horrifying amount of time I spend on on my phone each week and it fluctuates. Sometimes it jumps and I'm, I'm like, oh gosh, what have I done? And then other times I've, I'm down by 18% and I feel really good about myself. Is there a number that's like a good amount of time or a bad amount of time or is it more about the effects that it's having you know, on you and, and on your life? Yeah, no, there isn't really a specific number. Um, and I guess the issue with using your phone and social media and tech, there's kind of two ways of looking at the impacts. There's like just the amount spent in total. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the issue with that, of course, is the sort of sedentary time, um, whether it's watching TV or just sitting with your phone or working on your computer, not moving. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah, there's the impacts from the actual type of content that you're accessing. Um, so there's, yeah, no specific like cutoff amount of time that's good or bad, but just kind of whether it, it's affecting you and stopping you from doing other things in your life. And so what, what sort of effects might it have that should be a warning sign for, for us as individuals or, um, you know, for loved ones or, or whatever? Like how, how, can we, how can we tell if we're, if we're on our phones too much? I guess just if you think it's stopping you from doing things like um, falling asleep, um, mm. yeah, if it's, you know, keeping you up at night, if 
you're supposed to be working or doing something important and you can't stop looking at your phone. Um, you know, you're supposed oh to be eating dinner with your family. <laughs> yeah. And like, we all do that somewhat, of course, but um, yeah, I think it depends. Like often a sign is that other people um, notice it and complain mm. about it, I guess. So you, you talked about a couple of things that it might start to affect, but I really like the idea of rather than having a number, although a number is kind of helpful maybe to track it between weeks, acknowledging that you use your phone for lots of different things. So you might use it for staying in touch with friends during lockdown. You might use it for work. You might use it for finding a way through. I mean, I, I can't drive anywhere now without Google Maps. I'm not sure when that happened, but it's certainly the case. Um, but then there are obviously lots of other things that are less healthy maybe and send your blood pressure up like social media at certain times. So more thinking about how does it affect you and what does it stop you from doing rather than the absolute time that you're spending. So if it's stopping you from spending time with loved ones, doing the hobbies you enjoy, you know, tell me about sort of the effects that that has on your interpersonal connections and, and relationships. Yeah, well, I guess, you know, if you're not paying attention to the people you're with, that's not really a good thing. But of course, it's really important to state that a lot of the, you know, you do have friends in your phone too, and they're mm. also important friends. Um, and just because they're not, like, you know, you might have friends who you only know through social media or um, digitally, um, and they're still real friends, or at least they can be, wouldn't want to suggest that they're not a real social connection because mm. they can be extremely important social connections. Um, particularly for like groups like minority groups or marginalised groups, um, yeah, or even for specific hobbies, you know, you can find through social media, you can find people who are just like you um, in a way that we never could before. Mm. So it's a huge boost for social well-being in that way as well. Not yeah, it's so hard because on one hand, like I know that my phone listens. Well, I think my phone listens to me. Is that right? I, Yep, you're nodding. So, oh, now you're looking nervous. It's okay, Google won't know that you said that. So on one hand, you know that your phone is kind of listening to you and watching what you do and then, you know, I'll talk about something over dinner and then later that night suddenly there are adverts for that very thing on my phone. Like it's, you know, we li we almost live in an Orwellian kind of novel but at the same time, as you say, there are so many benefits of social media. I can stay in touch with people that I've met backpacking 10 years ago on Facebook and or on Instagram and track their lives. And you almost, when you catch up, I find when I catch up with friends, you know, that I haven't seen for a couple of years, it's like, oh yeah, I saw that. I saw that you had a baby and you got married and you moved house all through Instagram kind of passively, but you feel like you've kind of been part of their lives in a way. As a public health expert, like what's the balance? You know, do you think that overall the negatives outweigh the positives? For Let's start at a population level. Like do you think that the, the problems that social media is causing from a health perspective, do you think it, that the benefits outweigh the risks? And how do you kind of navigate that as an individual, you know, for, for your own health? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I feel like I've probably changed my answer back and forth fairly regularly. Like mm. I feel like that it's, kind of borderline but I do think at the moment I'm leaning towards it's good for your health it's better than not having it mm. um, particularly during COVID I can't imagine how we would have got through this without social media yeah there's so many benefits to it but I think it's all I, I suppose it's a question of moderation really like most things mm. um, if you use it well and in moderation then it's a really positive thing 
All right, so moderation is the classic, uh, you know, conundrum that, that doctors like us mm-hmm. give to people. How do you do that in practice? What, what does it look like? I mean, how do I use my phone in moderation? I mean, I have four, four screens staring at me right now. Um, <laughs> I mean, how, how do you practically do that? Because it is our work, our lives, everything is on our phones it's so easy to get to the end of the day and suddenly see that little message that you've spent eight and a half hours somehow attached to this screen. What are the steps you take to reduce reduce your screen time? Yeah, I think there's quite a few things you can do. So I guess firstly noticing which apps are problematic, like if there's apps that you particularly spend a lot of mindless time scrolling through and you don't want to spend so much time on them, like for me, that's Facebook, definitely. Mm. You know, you can put a time limit through the, the app on your phone so that you can't spend more than, say, half an hour a day on Facebook, or at least it warns you and says, do you really want to add another five minutes? And you can also turn off notifications is a really good thing. So yeah, that's that a really good one. constantly popping up. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's it's not saying, hey, look at Facebook, look at Facebook. It's only when you choose to look at it. And, yeah, even putting it on silent or putting it on an airplane mode as well. Um, and having, you might have an overall screen time limit but also, I think probably the most important thing is to have times and places where you don't look at your phone or you don't have your phone with you. Um, usually leave it in another room, particularly a good one, I guess, is when you're sleeping, like no phone in the bedroom can be a rule, no phone during dinner. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. No no phone in the bedroom. Yeah, I know. That's one I haven't That's quite got with yet, but <laughs> it is the... <laughs> No phone at dinner, yeah, that, I think that's a really good one. But no phone, I mean, no phone in the bedroom makes sense. I was yeah. just thinking the other day, I mean, imagine if you went back 15 years and you were like, there is going to be this thing in the future that is connected to like the world and gives you constant information and you're going to like have it next to your bed and the last thing you do every night will be look at this this thing and the first thing you'll do when you wake up in the morning is look at this thing again. You'd think that I'm crazy for saying that. And now yeah. jump forward. I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense to, to not have it in the bedroom and definitely not having or putting it away or on, on um, aeroplane mode when you're having dinner. I think that's a really good tip as well. Yeah, or just like special family time or um, prayer time or, you know, whatever it is that you do that's your special time. Yeah, just keep the phone away. One of the things that I, I did which I found really helpful was to delete certain apps as well. So, they're, yeah, they're really good, they're really good ideas because um, I think it is hard to kind of self you know control how much time you spend i mean yeah the only time i've been without a phone was once i was going on an overseas holiday for a week and i my phone got stolen at the airport so i was away for a whole week without a phone and it was quite scary how did you go um it was difficult actually yeah you kind of feel naked without a phone now don't you like if you walk if i walk out without a phone there's almost like a sense that i've left like a part of me behind it's yeah it's pretty concerning yeah yeah i didn't even know the name of the hotel i was staying at so. oh really yeah well that's true and yeah. so much information is on your phone <laughs> i wonder if there's a word for feeling naked without a phone i reckon there will be at some point that'll be the german word of the year in a couple of years time we'll come back yeah. to it in a future episode when the oxford dictionary makes it the word of the year we should if a listener has an idea for what that word should be let us <laughs> let us know Technology is becoming increasingly ubiquitous in our school, work and private lives. In fact, a recent report published by Statista unveiled that as of July 2020, about 59% of the global population 
for a whopping 4.57 billion people were active on the internet. In Australia, 89% of the population are active on the internet, with an average daily time of 6 hours and 13 minutes. In this new ultra-connected world, many of us feel we must stay plugged in. But when does technology cross the line of being a useful tool to becoming a problematic addiction? Megan is here to help us answer this very question. I wanted to talk about screen time and and psychological health in a bit more detail, if we can, Megan. So I know that if you're distracted more generally when you're having dinner, for example, if you're not present to the food that you're consuming, there is good evidence that you consume more and you consume more quickly. So, you know, being distracted, same reason why you can't use your phone and drive, like you can't safely do two things at once. What, What are the... Like, what are the psychological effects of overconsumption or of, of constant consumption of information? What, what is it doing to our mood and, and even to our brains? Yeah, I guess it's a question really of mindfulness. Um, so we know how good mindfulness is for our health. And when you say mindfulness, like we, we throw that word around, but what, what does that mean? Concentrating on the present moment, mm. I suppose, being aware of, of what's around you. So like the opposite of when you're on your phone, basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a lot of health benefits for, for mindfulness um, and psychological benefits. And yeah, when you're using your phone, you are avoiding being mindful, I suppose. Um, so there's you know times when we might have previously been mindful, you know, even just for a couple of minutes while you're waiting for the lift to come or whatever it is. We now tend to pick up our phones even just for a minute. You know, if you're at a restaurant with a friend and they go to the bathroom, you mm. look at your phone. You can't just like sit there and be with your own thoughts. Is that because you're, you know, is it, the, is it the psychological effect of not having what you see, like the kind of the FOMO effect? Or is it the fact that your brain is just constantly busy and, and actually never has a moment to rest yeah, I think it's just looking for a distraction rather than having to do the work of sitting with yourself and mm. being on your own. It's, I mean, I'd never really thought about that before. So back in the day, as in approximately seven or eight years ago, um, we would have had micro moments or kind of even big moments across the day where you're sitting on the bus or you're waiting for the lift or, you know, your friends, as you say, your friend's gone to the bathroom and you just sit and your brain just rests and you kind of reflect, what is the effect of not having those moments across the day? Do we know? Um, I guess I don't know for sure what the effect of not having them is, but there's just so much evidence that practising mindfulness, so Mm. taking the time to be aware of your surroundings and focus on yourself, is positive in lots of ways for your health and your mental health. Mm. Yeah, and I think the other thing is also you... We're missing a lot of opportunities to just talk to random people around us too. Um, you know, I don't know what people used to do on the bus or the train. Maybe you spoke to the person next to you, but yeah, you'd never do that now. No, I, I and I have to say, I, I look forward to sitting next to you randomly on the bus one day, Megan, and having you just <laughs> strike up an organic conversation from nowhere. Those kind of micro moments in life that you miss um, because you are on your phone, and it's it, it's abs- it's absolutely what you're saying. It's sort of these opportunities but also the chance just to kind of let your brain rest that is so critical to I would imagine your 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 overall mental health yeah like you said rest like falling asleep is a big thing as well that um, it is hard to fall asleep when you've 
than just looking at your phone. Yeah, so let's talk about sleep for a second. So are you meant to what, – what, what is the best thing when it comes to sleep hygiene in your phones? So have it outside. Don't put it in the bedroom. That's, that's a great tip. Is there a period beforehand that you shouldn't be using them? You know, we often even use our phone to like listen to the radio in the morning. I mean, it's there are so many reasons why we end up putting our phones, taking our phones to bed with us. But your your advice is don't go to bed with your phone. What what else in, around sleep and sleep hygiene would you recommend? Well, yeah, you shouldn't be looking at your phone immediately before bed. Yeah, isn't a good way to wind down. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure exactly what the recommended gap is in terms of time. Why is it that you shouldn't be on your phone before bed? Yeah, I think I, I'm not sure how effective those blue light filters are. I know the blue light isn't good. Um, mm. So, yeah, that may help. But, yeah, it is also just the psychological arousal and stimulation from, mm. yeah, engaging with your phone and getting, like, I'm sure you've had times where you're like, I'll just quickly have a look and see there's a message and then it's half an hour later and you still haven't gone to sleep. But, yeah, in terms of obviously, like, the alarm and, you know, if you're listening to a podcast to fall asleep or something like that, mm. yeah, you do kind of need your phone, but it's possible to get other devices to play things like, you know, an old radio or radio alarm, clock alarm. And you can also put your phone onto airplane mode at least so you don't have notifications popping up. It's like one more step between, yeah, you and your apps. That's really good advice. So if you use your phone as a an alarm clock or you want to read the time or listen to a podcast, at least put it on aeroplane mode so that you don't get any notifications. The other topic I wanted to quickly touch on is um, the effect of social media on our relationships and more our kind of close uh, personal, you know, partner type relationships. How do you know if your phone is is a problem for you and your partner um, in terms of how much time you're spending? What are the issues or problems um, that can result impacting on your relationships? Again, I think it's just up to the two of you to make the judgment together. Um, if you're both happy with the amount of time you're spending on your phones, then it's not a problem. If one of you is upset with how much the other one spends, or then, yeah, I think it's um, like anything in a relationship. You kind of have to compromise and see what makes you both happy. There's no specific um, amount of time or guidance. I suppose it's a first step. If you're asking the question, that's probably already a sign that maybe it's something to at least be cognizant of and, and be conscious of the amount of time that you are spending on your phone around anyone, let alone your partner or your kids or, you know, someone really important to you. And I suppose what you're saying is, you know, is to have a conversation about it, is to be open about it and acknowledging that, you know, you both will, will be on your phones from time to time. Uh, is it is it a good idea to kind of have ground rules or like blackout time, you know, no phone times? Yeah, um, I definitely think that having tech-free time is a, a good thing, um, whether that's, you know, just a five-minute gap in your day or a whole day of the week or something. Mm. Um, yeah. Have you heard of people doing doing like Sundays without without their phones? I have I have heard of that. Like I've, I've got friends who are um, Jewish, for example, so mm. they don't use their phones on the Sabbath, um, and yeah, they just find that to be a really calming day. They definitely see benefits, and because it's I guess a rule they they always stick to that, yeah, makes it easier for them. Mm. My partner and I we implemented a no phones kind of between six and eight, but just making sure that you have that time each evening where there's no distractions and, you know, if the phone goes off or an emergency happens, clearly 
you know, it's not absolute, but trying to kind of put the phones away uh, and just have that couple, have those couple of hours each evening where you are present. For me, it's really, it's really reminded me that you need to have that gap in your life. You need to have that silence and particularly with your partner or your family, having the kind of almost creating the space in your life to say, okay, in this time, we're not going to have screens, whether it's Netflix or our phones or whatever else. And that that actually creates the space for those organic conversations that otherwise there isn't as much space for. And one also good thing about having a set time or day is that you can almost put on like an office reminder. And if everybody knows that you don't use your phone between six and eight, that means you you won't be obligated to respond because I think one reason why people do often feel obligated to check every single notification is because um, in terms of relationships, people get upset with you if you're not responding instantly. Mm. Um, people expect you to be available all the time and um, whether that's your work or your friends or your partner um, or your family, they're, they're, that makes you need to check all the time. Mm. Um, and I suppose... You know, when it comes to our phones, it's not just about, you know, the phone itself or even the app, but it's about the content in those apps that can often kind of spike our blood pressure or make us feel fairly terrible about ourselves. What are some tips that you have for people in terms of trying to curate content that is going to be better for their health? Yeah, I guess it's about choosing who is going to be providing good information um, and good inspiration as well. Um, choosing people who have a positive message rather than being negative. It can be tempting to follow people that you disagree with just to kind of see what they're saying, but it does tend to make you angry. Um, yeah, choosing, like, it's also really important to choose a diverse group of people to follow. So you try not to just have, like, everyone who's the same as you. Um, you know, make sure you're following some some Indigenous people and some... Um, you know, some older people, some younger people, men and women, um, trying to curate positive content um, that's interesting but is also useful. How do you how do you balance that? As you know, you, even yourself as an expert, like you want to you want to be exposed to people who challenge your viewpoints, not necessarily the facts, but like you know the opinions and things. How how do you balance that as an individual? Yeah, that's really hard um, because we do tend to also get sucked into a bit of a bubble with mm. only seeing people that we agree with. Um, and then, you know, when you read the comments, which they always tell you don't read the comments and it's pretty good advice, um, you do sometimes get shocked at how how strongly opinionated people are um, in complete disagreement to you. I guess, yes, it is important to consider diverse viewpoints, but I don't think that angry comments on a news article are really reflecting diverse um, opinions. Mm. Um, it's it's not the way that you would actually engage with them in real life, um, you know, in a shouting match. Like how do you balance, you know, not wanting to become ignorant to other opinions and ideas um, and, you know, and kind of blocking anyone who doesn't agree with you, but at the same time, I think there really is such a, such an importance to like protect our mental health and not, you know, not jump on our screens on the train on the way home and have our blood pressure go through the roof because we're so kind of irate at what individuals are saying. So yeah, I think that there's other ways to get more informed um, opinions that 
disagree with yours without getting sucked into the angry, like, Twitter debates. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. And I think, I think, you know, that's a nugget of gold to say, you know, be careful who you follow and, you know, because that, that is you are basically curating your your online experience and, um, yes, diversity is, in, you know, it's critical to have diverse and conflicting viewpoints and challenge our own assumptions but, you know, do it in a way that is also protective of your mental health. You've brought up a couple of really good kind of tech uh, tips as well of um, going on airplane mode uh, when you don't want to when you don't use your phone you can also put on sleep mode like and you can elect to do it for an hour or for an evening um, you can you know turn off notifications or from specific apps only um, and you can as we talked about deleting apps um, and I think the you can actually I didn't realize this until recently but you can also do an auto reply on text messages so that you know just like on your phone, you can be kind of an out-of-the-office reply on your on your email. You can do the same with a text message, uh, which means that a text message goes straight back saying, I'm out of the office, I'll get back to you when I can. And I think some of those things which are kind of, you know, fairly techy, but they make make it just that little bit more possible to kind of take a deep breath and be like, okay, the world knows I'm offline. I have, you know, there's an email or a text message that's going back and I'm going to switch off you know, for a period, for an evening, for an hour, and just focus on where I am. This podcast is brought to you by the team at Victor, Victoria's own health promotion agency. So, Megan, I've got some really quick questions here. Uh, Catherine asks, I've started to notice myself becoming obsessive when checking for health updates, I think COVID-related, especially when there's a COVID outbreak. Uh, It's making me quite anxious, but I don't want to miss important information. How do I balance this for my mental health? Wow, that's a really good question. Yeah, that is a really good question because I found myself doing the same thing, I think. Um, Yeah, I think you you can see if you've got friends who can do the updates for you. You know, that's what I said. Like, I can't watch the press conference today. Um, somebody just send me the highlights. And and I think the some of the media outlets have started doing like kind of line by line sort of a summary, which I found really helpful. Or if you follow a couple of people on Twitter that you that are not too sensationalist, you know, going and having a look half an hour or an hour later, and you kind of see the tweet tweet headlines of what's occurred. Um, yeah, I think one of the problems as well with that was there's a lot of worry about what is going to be said and you know in all of mm. your with all your friends you're discussing what do you think they're going to say at the press conference all of that sort of stuff which doesn't really help yeah that's true uh last question um are there certain social media platforms that are better than others to be spending time on that's luca mm. no i don't think so i think uh, because you curate the content yourself um it's more about who you choose to follow than the platforms themselves. Um, if you're following um, people who are very negative or sharing false information or who are very, for, like, so one area that I do research in is Fitspo. Um, so, like, Fitspiration, if you're following a lot of that sort of stuff that's really appearance-based and very superficial, um, that can have a negative impact on your, um, your mental health and your body image as well. So it's more about choosing who to follow. Yeah, that's great advice.
Thanks for listening to the In Good Health podcast. To find out more about the work that we do, head over to our website, vichealth.vic.gov.au. Oh, and make sure you check us out on social media under at VicHealth.